The Science of on The Money Show. So how good are you at networking? I'm interested in hearing from you this evening as to how good you think you are at networking and how you go about doing it because each of us has got a different way of dealing with going into situations which, with which we might not be comfortable. Um, give me a call on 021-446-0567-011-8830702. And also if you're one of those people who thinks you're fabulous networkers, how do you go about doing it? Because I've got the expert ne- uh, networker this evening. Her name is Helen Nicholson. Uh, she calls herself the chief excitement officer uh, of her company, the networking company, the CEO of the networking company. The fact that you've got a company called the networking company, which educates people and lectures people and teaches people how to network, suggests to me, Helen Nicholson, that we suck at networking. <laughs> yes, thanks, Bruce. I think um, I think it's a place where often th- th- there's room for development. And often when people tell me that they're good networkers, then generally th- they they often aren't as good as what they think they are. And people who say they're not, they're really bad or they suck at networking, often they're much better than what they think they are. Often the people who say they're brilliant at networking are just a pain in the butt. <laughs> and they're those people you're trying to avoid because you know you're being networked. Yes. Yes, and I think that that's what, the, those are the people that give networking a bad name, you know, because it impl- there's a lot of manipulation, it's air kissing, the people who work the room, and, and, and people don't enjoy that. And I think, you know, business has evolved to the point where it's about mutually beneficial business relationships, and schmoozing just doesn't cut it. Okay, now that's absolutely crucial because networking is precisely about that. What have I got to give you? What have you got to give me? Perhaps I've got nothing to give you. Perhaps you've got something to give me. How do I then encourage you to deliver that service to me for hopefully nothing? Um, um, Because if I'm a great networker, I can probably achieve that, certainly on a first meeting. Yeah, I think one of the characteristics of the best networkers I know is that they're incredibly generous. They're generous. So on meeting people, they will share contacts, they will point people in the right direction, they'll connect them to the right people. And then, you know, they deposit huge relationship capital wherever they go. Deposit and as a re- huge relationship capital. Please avoid the jargon. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I get what you mean in terms mm. of they are they're generous spirits. Indeed. They are people who are givers mm. naturally. Mm. And generally, we tend to respond well to people who give. Absolutely. So, you know, and I think that that is the best characteristic. And, and when you alert people to that as, as being a top characteristic of good networkers, it often makes people a lot more comfortable with the, with the subject because then they realize if they go out and give generously to their networks, good stuff starts to happen. And, and, and that makes people feel more comfortable. But so often networkers are people who believe that you go into that environment and you take from mm-hmm. that environment. Mm-hmm. Now, how do the good networkers, the givers, deal with the takers. Um, because in every situation there is the give and take. Hmm. I think that you know you've got to look at it on balance. Networking is never fifty-fifty. It's not I scratch your back and you scratch mine. Over time, if you and I networked over a period of a year and you gave five times and I gave twice, that means we've both benefited from from knowing each other. And there's a tick next to that box because it, it's worked. But but don't you at some point say, hold on a second, I've given more than I've received? Yeah, I think you know I would generally if I met someone, I would probably give five or six times, and if I got nothing back, then you realize you're actually dealing with a taker and it's time to move along swiftly. You cut them off. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, I think you, you just, you, you're not available because, you know, that is not a relationship that's ever going to work going forward because networking is all about shared values. And, and so then, you know, you know, it's, it's just time to move along.
Okay. So now give me a practical example, please. I'm still, you guys are checking. 021-446-0567-011-8830702. I'm interested to know how you network, whether you think schmoozing actually works. And schmoozing, I think, is nice and derogatory. And it, it, define schmoozing versus networking for me before we go on, Helen. I think schmoozing is inauthentic. It, it shows that you have a, a very obvious agenda. Whereas networking is about building relationships where you go with, with no obvious agenda. How do you network without an obvious agenda, though? I think the the good networkers, they almost do it intuitively. It's kind of part of their DNA. They're just wherever they go. So whether it's the waiter at the restaurant, the toll gate person, you know, the CEO or a client, wherever they go, they build relationships. And they, they curiosity is a very important aspect of, of good networkers. Um, okay. Um, I, I'm just I'll scribble down curiosity because I want to get there in just a moment. Um, but when, when it comes to building relationships, it's a case of – Treating everybody as equals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, I, I love watching people. I love watching interactions. You go into restaurants and you see how people treat waiters, yes. for example. Yes. It's a great def- definer of, of human character. Indeed. Yes. No, absolutely. Because I always say to people that the, your, the power of your network is in its diversity. So if it comprises people who are the same color as you, the same age as you, the same industry, the same gender as you, it's not a powerful network. And that's why the people who are able to have relationships with security guards, CEOs, got completely different people to them. Those are the ones who have, have powerful networks. How did Nadia Bilchik get her job at CNN? Well, she told me a wonderful story about how... Um, Nadia Bilchik, for those of you who are wondering, sorry, just to give yes. you some context here. Nadia Bilchik um, was a... Was she, she was a continuity present, presenter. A continuity announcer on MNET in the early <sighs> days of MNET. Indeed. Um, uh, dark hair, um, quite round features, mm-hmm. very engaging, mm-hmm. very intense. Um, and she wanted to expand her global horizons. Yeah. So... What, did she go and write to the chief executive of CNN? No, her husband was being transferred to Atlanta. And since she'd been a little girl, her fantasy job had been to work at CNN, but she didn't know anyone there. And one day she was talking about this problem in the corridors of MNET and a security guard overheard her. And he said, I've just come back from a security guard conference at CNN and I know other security guards there. And what he did is he got her um, DVD of her you know, recordings. He passed it on to his security guard contact and that person got made, made sure it got put on the right person's desk and that's how she got the job as a result of two security guards networking together. But not I mean from a, from an idea Bilchik perspective not a classic networking maneuver no. but she's good to the security guard who likes her who wants to see her advance her career. He's had the network through through the conference and thereby goes a very complicated series of unlikely connections yes. to get you um, an airing yeah. with the relevant person in Atlanta. Yeah. It's the most extraordinary networking story ever because that wasn't schmoozing and it wasn't uh, it wasn't the relentless pursuit of going to find try and find Ted Turner's cell phone number or harassing Jane Fonda and ask, asking her if she speaks to her <laughs> ex-husband from time to time and could she give you an introduction. Yes. No, it, it, it is. It, it, you know, it's, it's that classic thing of, of um, because she is a very good networker, Nadia Bolchik. I mean, I've heard about uh, her from many people. And that ability to build relationships with the security guards, to treat everyone in the same way with respect, it's a key networking principle. Uh, Mandela was the perfect oh, networker. You know, the fact when he walked in the morning with his security guards, he knew the names of their children. He knew which one was suffering at varsity, who was doing well. And he would ask for them by name. And I mean, that is the common theme whenever Mandela 
Mandela Day um, came up and when people talk about their stories about him, it was that curiosity that he was genuinely interested. And there's a difference between curiosity and inquisitiveness and good De- networkers. Now, define that because uh, you can come across as pushy yes. and as desperately inquisitive and what is your motivation and why do you want to know my children's names, yes. you crazy person on the aeroplane. Yes. And, and the difference between that and just genuine Human curiosity. So tell me about yourself. I think genuine human curiosity is when you have a genuine interest. You really are interested in how did this person get to be who they are? What is their story? And and you listen intently and you're genuinely interested. Whereas I think inquisitiveness implies there's always an agenda. And, and, and I know a financial advisor, for example, who has gone to go and do a, a – not I forget which one, but, but he basically he's gone to a call center which helps people, yes. um, like the Samaritans or, or those sorts of people. Yes, um, like a, a helpline. A lifeline. Yes, he went yes. on a lifeline course mm. so that he could learn the skill mm. of listening mm. because – and that has got to be a crucial. I mean, curiosity is one thing, but you're either – being giving off road questions and going, so how many kids you got? What the names? Where they go to school? Mm, okay, mm. great. Yeah, no, fine. Yeah, yeah. But if you got this in a curiosity, if you're mm. really interested, you shut up and you listen, mm. and your next question comes from the interaction. Yes, and and that is something that the best networkers all have in common. Um, and and that's something it's it's quite hard to learn because I I had a delegate on a program the other day. He said to me, I said he said I don't care. About other people, I'm 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 not in the slightest, but interested in their stories and where they came from. And many, many, many people are exactly like that. Mm. Yet they can be potentially quite successful. How do they network? Because you can't fake caring. Mm. Maybe for a bit, mm. but after a while, you know, when your eyes glaze over. You're gone. I think it also depends what profession you're in. You often find those people are often in IT. What did he do? Uh, he was in IT. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so then you can kind of get away with it, you know, because in other words, your technical expertise is really the key function of your job. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I don't think it matters which job you're in. The, the human factor and that ability to connect and build relationships has never been as important as it is right now. Joe in Cape Town, pop on some, uh, some headphones, please, Helen. Uh, Joe in Cape Town, are you a great networker? Um, hi, Bruce. Um, I think um, I think to an extent. Look, I'm still I'm still improving. I'm still working at it, and um, I agree with Helen. I think you know part of it is um, is intuitive, but uh, I think the the other part is um, I think it's a skill that one can can acquire. So um, naturally, uh, I take an interest in, in people. Um, I like people in general in general, and I find it easy to to connect with strangers. Uh, but one of the most important books I've I've read is. Um, uh, is it Dale Carnegie? Hmm. Um, How to win friends and influence people. Is it still relevant? And, because I see it's being republished, Joe. Um, I think those principles are probably timeless. So, hmm. um, for example, calling a person by name, um, trying to actually find out what's really important listed to the person, um, and um, and like Helen said, you know, you you, you want to take genuine interest. And I find that you know, when I'm curious about a person, I don't have a hidden agenda. I genuinely want to know, you know, uh, what they're about, you know what their business is about. And I typically find that when I put their, their needs and um, the first and I try and actually help them, um, they, they tend to be much more eager to actually help me. So, uh, I mean, there's it's that whole principle about, you know, when you give first, you know, you tend to receive twice as much, if not more, you know. So, mm. um, yeah, I tend to, to want to actually help people without thinking about what I, what I can get in, in, in return. And uh, intuitively, I'm able to actually discard people that I know just want to um, milk me and use me. 
uh, but I typically <laughs> find people who stay, you know, are people um, who, who generally have, have um, um, a genuine interest in helping me as well. So it works great. I, I think you may just have it right, Joe. I mean, Helen, your assessment of Joe's networking skills and ability? No, well, I think uh, on two levels, Joe, I, I agree with you around Dale Carnegie. I, I still think it's probably one of, one of the most timeless, best networking books that has ever been written. And, How and to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think especially in the digital technology age. I mean, my children, in fact, at their school, they are running a Dale Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence what? People course for seventeen-year-olds. Yeah, they're seventeen. Yeah, and um, you know, so and and those skills are, are so important for this um, generation because often their face-to-face networking skills are, are lacking because of technology getting in the way. What is the best tech platform to use for connecting? A lot of people say, "Well, I've got ten thousand followers on Twitter. I am so connected. I am the." world's greatest networker look at me i have ten thousand people who care about what i think yeah i think twitter is definitely it it has a a very powerful platform and from from a commentary news sharing site it's very relevant from a peer-to-peer relationship building networking platform um we are big fans of linkedin um i went to a social networking conference about three years ago where jeff weiner the ceo of linkedin spoke and i sat there with my eyes on on stalks because it is an incredibly powerful tool um how both, does it work sorry clearly look at the guy who's not on linkedin here i am yeah how, how does it work what makes it so good i think the only people who are using it effectively in south africa at the moment are recruiters the two places where it's got big value that hasn't been um where i don't think people are using it effectively yet is thought lead to become a thought leader in in your field so you become the go-to person in your network and also to build your personal brand um, so, you know, have you got a photo? Have you got 500 plus connections? And are you, are you what posting? Are, what are connections on LinkedIn? Well, LinkedIn, the whole purpose of LinkedIn is, is to establish a peer to peer network. So unlike Facebook, it's with people who you don't know. And, um, you know, I generally use a photo and a fully complete profile as a, a kind of criteria. To, Why is that important? Well, I think it looks like someone's taken their profile seriously. Okay, and then the 500 plus connections, what's the relevance of well, that? Well, LinkedIn ranks you based on your 500 plus connections. So, for example, if I was looking for a banker in Polokwane, for example, and I type in private banking Polokwane, that someone, a, a banker with 500 plus connections will immediately come to the top of the of the pile because that's how LinkedIn ranks you. So that's why it's an important number to get to as quickly as possible. Um, Neo in Kilani's got an interesting one. Hello, Neo. Hi, Bruce. I have a friend. I'm a bad networker, and I have a friend uh, that I've known for 10 years. He's not working or anything, always hustling. But whenever I need a number, I know he will know the sister of someone who I will be able to get business from or something like that that we can mutually benefit from. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, whereas my LinkedIn profile has four people. I don't have a Facebook. Uh, I find those things tedious. But, you know, there are some people who just, know where to go and how to get the details of people, yeah. you know, without stalking them, though. Uh, but, but what, and, and how does your friend use this power as a connector? Does he use it simply as, he, as a mechanism to influence he you? He doesn't even use it economically for himself. You know, uh, one time I needed trucks, and I was telling him how I need trucks and all that. And he said, oh, no, here's the number. This person is, is, is on the board of the lottery. Uh, call the sister, and the sister will give you the number. And when I called, I had a meeting uh, through the sister. I had a meeting with a guy. So he doesn't mind. He just says, whatever I need, you can call me now. That's the type of guy he is. 
Thank you, Noam Kilotti. So the connector is interesting because yeah. there are, I mean, you have these, you, you, you meet people and they go, oh, do you know this one? And do you know the Joneses? And do you know the uh, the Kumalas? And do you know this one? And they're so busy trying to figure out who you know because they're judging you by who you know and don't know. Yes. And those people freak me out. Yes. They scare the living deal outside of me because yeah, generally and- I don't know any of these famous people that they do. Yeah, I think connectors are very interesting people. And, and I almost play a game with myself when I meet people for the first time. I try and suss out whether they're a connector or not. And and if you use a kind of a car analogy, or a, a, so if I say to them, I see we drive the same kind of car, I'm new in Joburg, where would you suggest I get my car service? If that person's a connector, they'll immediately be business carding you the name of the best car service place in Johannesburg. And then they'll say, tell them that Nao sent me. And that's when you know, because if you went to that car service place, guaranteed 5 or 10% of their business comes from Nao's or people like him. So, um, or his friend rather. But yeah. I think, so So connectors, it's almost as if they were dipped in something. They naturally do it. <laughs> um, it it's, it's part of their, and literally from when they're yeah. children. Um, there are more male connectors than there are female connectors, in my experience. I want to talk about men versus women as networkers as well. Graham in Somerset West, um, are you a great networker? Uh, can't tell, Bruce. <laughs> That's probably a good start. Um, I um, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, uh, curiosity and the intention behind it. And what I find is is that um, curiosity um, is 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 the thing that that, that uh, drives one to understand another person's situation, with the intention of then putting them in touch with other people that you've already networked with. And uh, so it's not just a, a, a blind curiosity. It has the intention of understanding the person's situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but, but and giving them an opportunity mm. maybe with somebody else that, that might link in with a network that you've already established. I mean, curiosity has many forms. I mean, the curiosity without any follow-up is, is, is I suppose, a fleeting interest rather than yes, um, exactly. ha- having exactly. any real intent behind it. But the point is, you're not doing it for yourself. You're going, oh, yeah interesting you'd like you know john in in belleville or whatever the case is you guys should get together let exactly. me con- let me connect you up thank you graham, exactly. graham in somerset west uh part two in germiston how did you get your job part two uh, i got my job through linkedin and i agree with, with, with the lady there that linkedin actually has and basically what happened was uh, a recruiter was looking for someone to place in the session company and she went through i, I don't know how she found me Eventually, she found me through LinkedIn. She connected with me. The following day, she said, uh, "She said to me, I've got a perfect job for you, Patu, and I think it's suitable for you.'" And three weeks later, I got the job. Fantastic, Patu. I think that supports exactly what Helen says about uh, the fact is recruiters are using LinkedIn. Andrew in Cape Town, your point? Yes. Good evening. You know, there's that old expression: "It's not what you know; it's, it's who, who you know." know. <laughs> And uh, I consider myself quite a good connector. But uh, what I'd like to know is how does one make money off all the people that one connects one's friends and associates with? Because those connections, those vouching for individuals, must be worth something. Andrew Capeson, thank you. Um, and it goes to the intent, doesn't it, Helen? Yeah, I think I think it's about establishing the agenda up front, Andrew. You know, so if connecting people together is part of your business and part of your business model, then be very clear when you connect those people together that there is going to be some financial gain for you. I think where problems come in is if you connect people together and then later on you come in and say, you know, there, there's obviously a big deal that's been struck or they've made a lot of money and you feel that they should you 
should have been a part of it. Unless that is a clear agenda up front, then I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, you, you have really a leg to stand on. Andrew seems to be doing it socially and you're doing a good thing, Andrew. If you go back to Helen's earlier point, what goes around comes around. Indeed. You know, the rewards will hopefully follow. And if yeah. they're not following, then you're connecting the wrong people to each other. Yes, indeed. Are men better networkers than women? In my experience, yes. Why? Because I think men are very good at the acquaintance network, whereas women um, feel that they have to become new best friends with people before they can ask for help. And generally, if you look at a kind of a person in their 30s, late 30s, 40s, their friendships have diminished because our, you know, we spend a lot of time in our 20s developing our friendships. So your focus is on family and work. So that means that you've got a small pool of friends. And if you're only relying on those friends to supply your network, then obviously it is a numbers game. So if men have got a vast amount of acquaintance network, and they were at school with someone, men have no problem picking up the phone after 20 years and saying to someone, hey, remember me from school, can you help me? Whereas women feel that, you know, because they haven't seen someone for four months, they feel that they'd be abusing the relationship by just picking up the phone. It's interesting. So the old school tie is still very much, uh, is still very prevalent and relevant. Absolutely. It, and it's interesting, the, the old boys, um, you know, the school tie um, network, because just as women are often excluded from those networks, men who didn't go to schools like that are also excluded from those networks. It's absolutely fascinating. Helen Nicholson, thank you so much for coming in. She is known as the networking queen, and now you know why. She is the CEO of her own company, of course. Um, it is called the networking company. Helen Nicholson this evening, the science of networking. Thanks for your calls and thanks for networking.